Do you want to start a podcast? I know I did, and you're listening to it thanks to the help of Anchor. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. It's totally free and has everything you need in a podcast in one place. You can record, edit your podcast right from your phone or computer, and distribute it to listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. Everything you need, all in one place, completely free. What's stopping you? Go get Anchor. One woman will dominate a sport like it's never been done before. At a young age, dealing with challenges that would put others into despair, she takes those challenges and turns them into hope for everyone else can look at her as a role model into her dominance the likes of tennis has never seen before. She is Estefagar, the world's greatest, most dominant tennis player ever. Welcome to the Sports Film Pitch, where we take amazing sports stories and talk about what they look like as a great, true-life sports film. I'm your host, Ethan Reese. I am an avid sports historian and a movie aficionado, and I am bringing these two expertise together to bring you this podcast. If you would like to, you can follow us at Sports Film Pitch on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, where we post previews and pictures and all this stuff to help you enjoy this podcast even more. This podcast is a fun combination of film and sports, and sports films are so much fun, so motivating, so enjoyable to watch, and gets you into the movie and a spirit of the game. These stories will do the exact same. Join us on this ride together. Have a fun, enjoyable time where we will joke around and have a good time and tell you the facts of the story. Now let's get into the pitch. Now time for casting. Who is going to play Estefagar? Who is this going to be this great, incredible tennis player? I mean, for the looks aspect of it, and probably the fact that she can probably do a great Holland accent, which I can't do very well. My only Holland accent I hear most often is from Gold Member. I love Gold. Terrible accent from Mike Myers. Kind of the joke, but terrible accent for me. But I think this actor could really do a pretty good accent. She does impressions all the time. And she is, you know, I think more than just a comedic actor. And that's what she's known for. And she's great at it. And you know her from Saturday Night Live, Ghostbusters, The Spy Who Dumped Me, all these movies coming out. And she's growing even more popular. And that is Kate McKinnon. And she's she's funny on all those shows. She's great. But I, I know that sports is going to be more dramatic. This can be a lighthearted film. It can be lighthearted. It can have jokes in it. But... She can be dramatic, too, because I've not seen very many comedic actors that haven't been able to make the transition to drama. You know, 
Kevin Hart's done it. Jim Carrey's done it. Adam Sandler's done it. So many have done it, and actually in a very good way. Not always. I'm not saying everyone can do it, but I'm willing to bet that she could. And she's got, she's got the look. She looks a lot like Esther Vergar. So it's 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 good. So picture Kate McKinnon as we tell this story. I think that it'll be a great way for you to connect to this character and just see how she would work in it because I think it's a great option. Esther Vergar, born in the Netherlands. In July 1981, she came into the world with the top song in those days being You Make My Dreams Come True. So great music coming out around when she was born. Also, they were all watching Stripes. Was the number one movie when she was born. So born into a great pop culture life. She started her life just fantastic. You know, she was running around playing outside all the time. And she just described having an idyllic childhood until the age of six. When Viguer, when Viguer was getting her certification for swimming. It's a rite of passage that they do in the Netherlands. The Dutch are always worried about water because if you get water on your wooden shoes, you're going to sink. So you have to be able to swim. So it's been put into law that they have to be able to swim and get it certified. So she's going to get certified and she takes her wooden shoes off, which she hadn't taken off since she was born. So forget the wooden shoes. I think in Holland, I think of wooden shoes. But she goes to swim and she becomes dizzy and eventually goes unconscious luckily not in the water after she gets out of the water she's taken to the hospital it's discovered that she has a buildup of fluid in her brain as well as a brain hemorrhage the doctors place a stunt in her brain and esther is released from the hospital six weeks later that's a long time to spend you know understand is the early 80s they're still kind of learning all this medical things not saying that they were doing a bad job just is a hard thing to detect. Why is she dizzy? Why did this happen? They don't really know. The, other than the brain hemorrhage, they don't know what the cause of it is. And this continues to happen for the next couple years. She just, at certain times, just goes unconscious and has a brain hemorrhage, which is super dangerous, super, super dangerous. She just gets these headaches, pain behind her eyes and in her neck, and doctors continue to find nothing. They don't know what is the cause of this. And then when she turns eight, she starts to experience some pain in her groin. During that holiday season, she actually has a stroke. And they have to place another stunt in her brain. And that's when they discover that Esther has around her spinal cord. And this is an anomaly around the spinal cord which affects blood supply. And this is what they think is causing her to have these hemorrhages and the stroke. Because her blood supply isn't acting normal. Just a, a month later after that stroke, they come to her and or they come to her family. And they say, we have two options. One, we do nothing. You live your life. You have these hemorrhages at certain times. 
when you have no idea when they're going to happen and they can get worse and could potentially be fatal. Or we could do surgery to try to correct this. Now, surgery always has the risk, you know, of also being fatal and paralysis because it's around the spinal cord. They choose surgery because even though it has a chance to be fatal, it's a lesser chance and there's a chance she could go on to live a normal life, not have to worry about these brain hemorrhages and strokes. It could happen at any moment. But unfortunately, after the nine-hour surgery, she wakes up and they test her feet, you know, poking them, just seeing her reflexes all over. How is she feeling? She can't feel her feet. And she is paralyzed from the waist down. But the bright side is she no longer has the hemorrhages. She's not at risk of fatally dying at any moment. And her parents explain this to her. Because obviously she's very saddened and moody at the time because as a child you're running around playing. That's how you know to play. And that's been taken from her. But her parents understand that her life is now going to be better even though she's in a wheelchair she has the potential to do so much more and live her life without fear and she embraces it she embraces it more than anyone ever thought she would there's videos of her just playing around in a wheelchair you know like doing wheelies going up and down ramps she embraces what she does and fortunately in the netherlands the dutch was inundated with sports memorabilia from gold members he loves gold and he loves helping the less fortunate and so he gave gold sports wheelchairs to everyone in the country that had been paralyzed so they could compete for gold in the Olympics, because he loved gold. Terrible impression, just like Gold Member's a terrible impression of the Holland accent. No, Gold Member did not donate gold sports wheelchairs. But the Dutch government does donate sports wheelchairs to anyone with paralysis or amputations so they can be active and not have to worry about, you know, that keeping them from being active. And so she takes up sports as part of her rehabilitation. She admits she wasn't big into sports before. It is something new to her, something she hadn't done before as much. I mean, kicking a ball around or throwing a ball around. Kid stuff, yes, but not organized. So she eventually really gets into this sports world of wheelchair basketball, wheelchair tennis, wheelchair Volleyball, all these different sports she does just to get involved, be active, and meet other people that are going through things that she's going through, getting advice. And it's a great community that she learns to embrace. And incidentally, the Dutch have some of the greatest Paralympics performers. And, you know, the top three in men's and women's tennis, for wheelchair tennis, are Dutch because they are pushing this sports 
on these people because they need it. No, <laughs> because it's a great opportunity for them to continue their life in a positive way because it can be very demoralizing if you especially are not born with it or either way it's demoralizing to you know have extra challenges in life that other people don't have and you have to go through life a little bit more challenged but it shouldn't stop you from living your life and that's what you know esther is always about doesn't stop you from competing and enjoying your life and so esther actually really gets into playing wheelchair basketball so much so that he actually gets invited to play on the national dutch team which is great for her and this is in 1996 so she's about 17 at this point so she's she's had this for 6 years Six to seven years she's been in the wheelchair and she's been just getting into sports. Focusing on mainly basketball to start with. But she starts to get more into tennis as well. So in 1996, she really is getting more into tennis and basketball. Those are her main focus. In 1996, she enters Tyberg tournament for tennis and she actually wins. This is her first win and it's great. She reached her final in a few other tournaments this year in Milan, Erdtricht, Nottingham, Anthony. So she's really getting into it and really starting to enjoy the tennis tournament. So she wins her first one. The next year, she actually gets invited in 1997 to be on the national wheelchair basketball team for Holland. And they that year, they won the European Championship. So she's a champion both in tennis and basketball. Booyah! And then that year, she also wins the single matches in Anthony and Geneva. In the following year, 1998, she wins the Wheelchair Tennis Masters. And this actually leads to her being in Tennis Week. November that year. She's on the rise. She's only 17. She's 17 years old and things are going up. You forget that she's even a wheelchair. You just look at her as having success. In 1998, she kind of focuses more on tennis and kind of gives up on the basketball portion because she wants to focus on tennis. And this is something that she really attributes to her success is that she focuses on one sport and actually focuses it as a career, a purpose at what she does. She's not just, oh, I play tennis sometimes. No, she's a tennis player. She will work out, you know, four or five times a week, train on tennis when other competitors are maybe just doing it as a hobby, don't change their diet, don't focus on training, like, you know, they'll play a few times a week just to stay active, but she's focused on it, and this is, leads to her great dominance. And she really starts at this point. In 2000, the Summer Paralympics in Sydney, she does not lose a set at all and blazes her way to win gold medal in the singles and also wins the doubles with her partner, Maki Schmidt. And then a couple years later, she wins the Lazarus World Sports Award. 
Now, what is the Lazarus World Sports Awards? Now, growing up in America, I've not really heard of this before, but they are an annual awards ceremony honoring individuals and teams in the world of sports, along with sports achievements throughout the year. It's essentially the ESPYs that we have in America, but for the world. And it really does focus more on Europe and the world ceremony than you know, America. We focus more on American sports. So the two go hand in hand, and they're both very prominent. And this is a big event. This has also been hosted by you know actors like Jeff Bridges and Dylan McDermott. And they don't exclude Americans. Lance Armstrong has won awards from this and also had them taken away. That's on you, Lance. Or this year, it's going to be hosted in Spain, but it's moved around. It's been in Germany, Morocco, China, Malaysia, Britain, United Kingdom, Russia, Portugal. So it's been all over. And it started in 2000 was the first year they did going back to or the 1999 seasons of sports. And still going strong to this day. During the 2003 season, Esther was a part of the team that won the World Team Cup for the 16th time, defeating the U.S. in the final. Again, the Dutch focus on this. They put an effort into this. They, they give things to people that need help. During 2000... Yeah, in 2006, she you know, continued to win. She won in Nottingham, Atlanta, and San Diego. And in San Diego, she lost her first set she, that she had lost in two years. So, dominance is around. But she still has not lost one match. Also in 2006, she meets her future boyfriend, Marjin Zal. And he becomes very close to her and becomes her trainer, and eventually they become a love interest of boyfriend-girlfriend. They never actually get married, but they stay close together and eventually have a surrogate kid together. In 2007, she won her 250th consecutive singles win, not losing a single match. The domination is growing. This year is revealed kind of... She, in interviews that she's only making between $1,000 and $1,500 per event, per tournament that she enters, which is, a li- it's not terrible money, but for a pro athlete that's traveling all over the world to do these events, really, you're coming out washed, you're not making anything, and she's still living with her parents because she can't afford to live on her own and focus on tennis. She would have to choose one or the other. Would it be bad to go do an office job? She thinks about it. It would, could be okay, and she could live on her own. But she also would lose the one thing she loves, which is tennis and that competition that she loves. So she continues to, you know, love the support that her family gives her to be able to continue these events. And the more she does it, the more sponsorship she gets. She's not getting a whole lot of money from the actual events. It's the sponsorships that she's going to get continue to get along the way and help her you know be able to sustain her lifestyle that she wants to do and she's actually going to be making more money after she retires than she does in the actual 
time she's playing and being a dominant tennis pro. 2008, she wins both slam titles available and she goes into the Paralympic Games and suffers her only her second loss in the partnership doubles. She doesn't lose singles, but she ha- does lose every now and then in doubles. And they end up claiming the silver medal that year in the doubles, but she wins gold for the singles. <laughs> and she wins, again, the Lazarus World Sports Award for the Disabled Athlete of the Year. And unfortunately, in this, she says, you know, she admires, you know, people like Lance Armstrong. Wah, wah, wah. People who have the spirit to whatever setbacks they face, they don't let them get them down, and they fight for what they want to achieve, which I find a wonderful thing. And I really like people who do not give up without ever, even trying, which is interesting that she, you know, mentions people that, you know, just had cancer. So many millions of people have cancer and less people just lose the ability to walk. And she has lost the ability to walk and views it. It's just a little setback that she can overcome and she can still live a great life. So that is a great way, great way of thinking to take from her. And the next year she wins, you know, the grand slam again, she doesn't lose. Why would she ever lose? Right. In 2010, she wins her 400th match in a row. 400 matches. She has not lost in years and has won 400 straight matches. And this year, she also poses and gets a cover on ESPN, The Body Issue, which is celebrating all different body types. Yes, it's in the nude. It's a little odd. (laughs) But it's celebrating the different bodies that different athletes have. Some people are big some people are small you know depending on your sport you're going to be built differently and you should love what you built that's a good concept but it can be a little bit risque too because these athletes are nude in a tasteful way that's covering all the parts you know with a ball or a racket or whatever it is and it doesn't show actual nudity it's just the suggestion of the body and this year Esther is featured on CNN for her record that now is at 401 straight wins. And she received congratulations from, you know, at the time, even now, one of the best tennis players, Roger Federer. And he says she's obviously made wheelchair tennis really popular through her success and domination and opens doors for other players in something that can't be replicated. So we get to 2012. She continues to win. Her dominance continues to grow. And this would be the culmination of the movie, the finality of it. You know, when she wins her at the Paralympics, her gold medal, that would be the finality of it. That match kind of making it the end that we want to all kind of cling on to. Because the next year, 2013 beginning, she retires from tennis and from 2001 to 2013 when she retired she lost only one singles match and here would be the epilogue the end of the movie where it kind of ties everything up with that finality got the music playing and everything and you say all the words of how everything ended so nicely in the true story and it says she only lost one match 
between 2001-2013, winning a total of 695 wins in singles and 441 wins in doubles. Having 21 Grand Slams and four Paralympic titles in singles and 21 Grand Slams and three Paralympic titles in doubles. The most dominant statistic tennis player of all time, without question. No one else can touch her numbers. The way she played, the way she dominated her sport. No one else compares. That is Esther Vergara. And she has grown tennis to be wider than it has ever done before. And she has a foundation now that helps grow para sports all over the world, especially in her homeland of the Dutch. Unfortunately, in 2020, she contracts breast cancer. And again, what she does, she tries to beat it. She's going through the fight now, but she's in good spirits, and she's never going to give up. She's got too much will to give up. Even being put into a wheelchair as a child, she never gave up and just went down on herself. She got up and was like, I'm going to do something with my life. I'm going to be the best at something. Another thing is she's fighting for inclusion for the Paralympics to be in congruent or in conjunction with the Olympics. Right now, the Olympics and the Paralympics are separate. They're done in the same cities, but at different times, which makes the Paralympics viewed as less or not seen as much. But if you did it at the same time as the Olympics, they would be seen in the same breath, in the same light as Olympians, which I agree with and I think is a great cause, and she continues to fight for that to this day. That is Esther Vegar, and she is a strong candidate for a sports movie. That motivation, that connection, that drive that you want from a sports movie, she fits it to a tease. It would be a great sports movie, and that is our pitch. Thank you for listening to the Sports Film Pitch. We hope you enjoyed today's pitch. It was a fun time for us, and I will continue to do this as long as I can. If you like this, please give us a review, a rating, whatever you can do on wherever you're listening to. It really helps us grow and the opportunity to invest more in the show and It really helps the show get even better, and it's going to help us do our next thing, which is donate. We are going to open up whatever we make. We're going to donate a portion to a great sports charity. If you have a sports charity that you are involved in and that you love to donate to, let us know on our socials, Sports Film Pitch on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Just let us know, hey, this is a great one as well. Right now, we're going to donate to the Special Olympics. They hold a a near and dear spot in my heart. I've been involved with them basically my whole life. And it's something that I love to see and love to help with. And if you ever get the chance to be a part of the Special Olympics or go see it, do it. Utter joy. 
joy for the love of sports you will not see anywhere else. You don't see this sore losers or anything. You just see people enjoying playing sports. It is fantastic. So that is the charity we're donating to. But if you have a charity you want to help, send us a line. Let us know. Also, if you enjoyed it, tell other people. Word of mouth is great. We want to grow this so that we can help as many sports charities as we can. And join us next week for another great sports film pitch. Come on.